Marriott NBA's reduced privacy fines and digital fraud trends in the age of COVID-19. These stories and more in this week's ISMG's Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. Is UK watchdog, the ICO, finally flexing its muscles by issuing hefty fines for the Marriott and BA data breaches, or are the penalties simply not enough? And how will they work in practice? ISMG's executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, investigates. The EU's General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, is growing up. In recent weeks, several companies that have failed to adequately safeguard Europeans' personal data have found themselves on the receiving end of large final sanctions from regulators. Last month, the UK Information Commissioner's Office, or ICO, announced a final fine against British Airways in connection with a 2018 data breach that exposed the personal information of about 430,000 customers, in many cases including names, addresses, and payment card details. In its initial July 2019 penalty notice to BA, the ICO had proposed fining it a record £184 million. But 15 months later, the ICO issued a final fine of just £20 million. The regulator said that the dire state of the aviation industry played a big part in the reduction, as did BA overhauling its security practices after the breach. Last week, meanwhile, the ICO issued another final fine, this time against hotel giant Marriott, after it suffered one of the worst known breaches in history. From 2014 to 2018, hackers stole an estimated 339 million customers' records. Exposed data included names, mailing addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, passport numbers, and in some cases, encrypted payment card data. In its initial notice to Marriott in July 2019, the ICO recommended a fine of £99 million. But the final fine was just one-fifth of that, only £18 million. That's a far cry from the full fining power of the EU's data protection authorities. They have the ability to impose sanctions of €20 million or up to 4% of an organization's annual revenue, whichever is greater if they violate Europeans' privacy rights. Now, Marriott in 2018 had $21 billion in revenue. Accordingly, it faced a maximum GDPR fine of nearly $840 million. Why was the final fine so much lower? First, EU regulators say GDPR isn't meant to be punitive. It's meant to get organizations to do the right thing. Also, the ICO says the final amount takes into account the economic impact and affordability of the penalty. The ICO also notes that the final amount it reaches in any case will take into account the economic impact and affordability of the penalty. Also, Marriott dramatically overhauled its security program after the breach was discovered, as the ICO noted in its investigation. Legal experts say the initially proposed fine also is only a starting point. For the final fine, Marriott, while admitting no liability, has also agreed to not contest it. That means the ICO won't get caught up in what would be likely a lengthy appeals process. 
The Marriott and BA fines are also more in line with how EU regulators have been applying GDPR since it came into full effect. In fact, attorney Jonathan Armstrong of London-based law firm Quartery tells me the fines are still a bit on the high side for Europe, especially compared to some countries such as Spain. So far, only two other EU GDPR fines have been higher. Last month, a German regulator hit clothing retailer H&M with a 35 million euro fine for improper workplace surveillance practices. And last year, Google was hit by a 50 million euro privacy fine, the biggest to date, as part of a long-running case by France's privacy regulator. Now, it's not clear if that Google case will set precedent, except maybe for other search giants. But the H&M, BA, and Marriott cases could well set precedent for future cases and also the amount of fines that GDPR violators can expect to see. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. In an increasingly digital environment, fraud is shifting from counterfeit card capabilities toward harder to identify fraud schemes. Advisory firm Javelin Strategy and Research recently published a report sponsored by SAS, the analytics software and services company, investigating the escalation of digital fraud and how the coronavirus pandemic has impacted that globally. ISMG's Director of Banking and Payments, Nick Holland, spoke with Krista Tedder, Director of Payments at Javelin Strategy and Research, and Stu Bradley, VP Fraud and Security Intelligence Division at SAS, about the research. Here's Krista, followed by Stu, on which regional fraud trends they've observed in their analysis. So regional, one of the things that stood out is coming from Greece and from the Middle East as far as being able to create synthetic identities and new account openings and being able to falsify documents. The counterfeit documents are very good in that region Mm. and they can bypass the traditional KYC capabilities. We also see where they're selling on the dark web. They're selling that internationally. It's really going to be a challenge in that region to stop new account fraud. When we look at South America and we see the explosion of digital payments because we're moving from a cash environment to immediately going into mobile payments, they skipped some of the legacy analog challenges that that we've had. That's where you have phishing problems because the consumers are, unfortunately, we trust people in this case, and they're getting caught in these phishing schemes and taking pictures, screenshots of QR codes and text messaging them somewhere. So there definitely are some regional challenges. And in part, it's because of when certain payment technologies are adopted and how quickly they come in. For example, in Italy, Italy had a lower e-commerce market penetration and some merchants, frankly, within 30 days, signed up for e-commerce and started processing because Mm -hmm. it was the only way they could stay in business and they didn't have any of the security protocols in place. The speed of adoption in some of these markets was also problematic. When we think of a digital transaction, organizations have done a good job of understanding physical identities. Krista mentioned synthetics, but what organizations haven't done is created a good way of understanding the digital identity. 
And with the onslaught of digital transactions, this has become a very significant problem. There's data out there that is available around digital reputation of a device, around biometrics of how individuals are using that device, geolocation, telephony records, email statistics around age, which are all great indicators of a digital identity that are, aren't being used in the manner in which they can be used to validate that identity. And when you look at being able to decision an identity, you must be able to do that across the entirety of that customer journey. And finally, is a CISO a technologist or an evangelist? Well, both, according to Dave Snyder, Chief Information Security Leader at Independence Blue Cross in Philadelphia, who's over 40 years of IT experience. ISMG's Senior Vice President of Editorial, Tom Field, recently spoke with a security veteran, asking what his top three priorities are as a CISO today and which skills he draws upon to fulfill the role. Here is Dave's response. Well, I mentioned one right off the bat, protect the brand. But outside of that, you know, I have to look at how we are organized and, and what we do from a continuity perspective, because business continuity is key. And you notice that today in COVID. So how are our delegated providers? How do we manage them? How do we oversee those providers? How do we make sure they have the appropriate controls in place to protect our clients' data, which ultimately ends up protecting our brand? Beyond that, I've got to look at how the latest threats impact our environment. So we now have everybody working remotely. What does that mean? How do we protect those end devices to make sure that we're not exposing our clients' data or some other uh, vector is not being used to gain leverage? So really your challenges range from protect the device to protect the brand. That's a broad range. What would you say are the most important skills you draw upon to fulfill these roles? I am both a technician and a theorist. So I don't have a problem implementing a technology, rolling up my sleeves and understanding how a technology works. As a matter of fact, I would not provide any new tool to my staff that I didn't try it myself first. I didn't understand how it worked. I'm involved in the implementation so that I can see how things integrate tightly with the environment or where their gaps are. That is a key area for me. Uh, the fact that I am both a technologist and you know, somebody who can dig into things logically and understand. That's it from ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Thank you.